say the Pirates have this kid who throws oh, 100-plus miles an hour, wipeout slider, got it all, menacing presence, but he's really, really young. And you're not crazy about the concept of starting his clock too early. What do you do with this individual in 2021? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. I do one of these every Monday through Friday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll check out. If it sounded like I was describing Blake Cedarland there, give yourself a big old, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? A, a cap tip, I guess, this time of year. <laughs> Who's ever wearing a cap in the wintertime? Blake Cedarland became Nick Birdie once Birdie went down. Uh, if you were among the few hardy souls who paid attention to the 2020 season, all 41 losses in addition to the 19 wins. You'll recall that early on, Nick Birdie looked like the greatest pitcher in baseball, certainly out of the pen. And then what's always been happening to Birdie happened again. He got hurt. It was serious, and he was done. And then along came Blake Cedarland, who was seen pretty much as Birdie's, I don't want to say equal because Birdie's older, but he was right up there in terms of performance and in terms of potential back in spring training 1.0 in Bradenton. Cedarland was just phenomenal. It wasn't just what he was doing on the gun. It's the slider that I mentioned. He was flooring people with it. He was also showing pretty good command of his off-speed stuff, which is hard to even call off-speed stuff because it was coming in there with ridiculous speed. He's a real talent. Now, he did end up getting a cameo in the strange 2020 season, but that didn't really mean all that much. I mean, everything was really weird. The Pirates were almost completely out of arms. The Altoona Satellite Camp was almost completely out of arms. They would have reached the point where they were just picking up people off the street and go ahead and make whatever jokes you'd like to about that, given the performance they'd end up getting out of some of their existing individuals. But Cedarland wasn't to be laughed at, not at any point. He's the real deal. He does things on a pitcher's mound that most pitchers aren't capable of doing. They're not even capable of fantasizing about throwing a baseball the way he does. That's some rare air. Now, he hasn't pitched in AAA. And that's where things start getting a little bit, uh, you know, creepy, I guess, if you're Ben Charrington. Because do you risk messing the kid up? by having him just jump into the majors because he's immediately your best relief option, which he might be. He might be. And I'm not just saying that because this team has no closer right now. But he might be your best bet or Derek Shelton's best bet to come in, let's say, in a you know bases-loaded situation and just whiff everyone 
or for that matter, to be your closer. You don't make decisions based on the 2021 team. I, let me make that part very clear. So this isn't about that. This isn't about what gives these guys the best chance to win this year. That's an absurd notion. They're not going to win this year. They're not even going to be competitive this year. But what does matter is the kid's progress. If he's ready to strike out major league hitters, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't, maybe we'll know more through Grapefruit League, maybe we won't. But let's say that he is. If he's ready to strike out major league hitters, got to let him do it. you got to let him do it. And this isn't just about Cedarland. I really hope that one of the many things that changes moving forward under Charrington compared to under Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark is that young players who are ready for the next level, legit ready, not surface ready, not statistically ready, but legit ready on all fronts, including stuff that people like me and you can't see, that they absolutely should be promoted. I just don't believe in clock manipulation, not because of unfairness to the players. Heaven knows there's so much stacked against a team like the Pirates in Major League Baseball's economic system that I really don't care what they abuse the Pirates do in order to gain for themselves within that system. So this isn't about that. This isn't about, oh, the players should be up earlier to start their clock earlier so they can make more money. I couldn't care less. I, I care as much about that as the players do about the Pirates as an organization having a fair chance to compete for a World Series. Let's put it that way. No, my thing with the clock is this. If the player comes up, let's say Cedarland came up, just, again, just for fun, let's say Cedarland makes your bullpen in 2021. And you do the obvious clock manipulation, meaning the thing where you keep the guy down for a month or whatever it is, like they did with Kebrian Hayes last season. That actually makes just a lot of sense. That's getting a full year, a full additional year of control of the player's financial rights just by keeping him down a month. There's nobody anywhere that doesn't do it. Yankees do it, Red Sox do it, Cubs do it, Dodgers even do it. Everybody does it. But the bigger manipulation is more along the lines of what Huntington and Stark did with Josh Bell. Josh Bell was ready to be in the majors a lot earlier than he was, and I could argue that maybe his staying down as long as he did instilled some bad habits. Because a player figures out, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher, they figure out a way to succeed at that level. And once they figure that out, they constantly operate with their get-out-of-jail-free card. Did I ever tell you the story about Jamison Tyone in the low minors? The ridiculous curveball that he's got. Every time he'd get in trouble, he'd throw this majestic, like Burt Bly Levin, Steve Carlton-level curveball that was just going right under the bat. And these minor league hitters had never seen such a thing. It was as if Tyone had landed from outer space throwing this thing. So he never had to really struggle to get out of a situation 
by leaning on his other pitches. This was just, this was his parachute. He would just push the button, pew, that's it. He'd walk off the mound. Well, the Pirates development people at the time told him, that's it. What do you mean that's it? That's it. No more curveball. What do you mean no more curveball? And they started infusing in him that he needed to use the fastball to get out of situations because that's what he was going to need to do in the majors because not even the greatest curveballs of all time get you out of a jam if the hitters know they're coming in the majors. They'll line it up, they'll size it up, and they'll hit it a long, long way if they know it's coming. And it was a good lesson for him. It was also a rare good instance of smart development by the previous management. This is the year that the Pirates are going to be hitting the big reset button in a lot of different ways. And that's fine. And the year itself doesn't matter from a record standpoint. That's also fine. But if Blake Cedarland comes up and starts his major league career now, just the same way Kebrian Hayes will, he is still the Pirates' property for the next six years. Don't worry about the clock. Don't worry about what the Pirates are going to look like in 2028 for crying out loud. Because if this thing takes that long, my goodness, we don't even want to carry this conversation any further. When we come back, just one question. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that houses this podcast and leave it right there in comments. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Open for business, stop in and say hello, tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's Just One Question comes from Oren, who asks, DK, hypothetical for you, if the owners strike after next year, and I'm sure Oren didn't mean strike, he means, you know, instill a labor stoppage, and then they get a salary cap and floor, and I'm sure Oren didn't mean floor, because you never need to say floor with a cap, because all cap systems comes with the floor, how would a team like the Pirates with their philosophy, spread all that floor money to all their younger players. You know, Warren, I eventually figured out everything that you wanted to ask. I obviously had to give it an extra second of thought here. But I think what you're getting at is that if the Pirates' payroll, let's say it winds up at like 50 or whatever for this year, 
And a salary cap system, which always includes a floor and always includes expanded revenue sharing, and thus neither of them ever have to be mentioned, the Pirates would have to go up to a new floor of, let's say it's 150. My, my guess all along has been that uh, because all sports have a $20 million range between their ceiling and their floor, that you would see a 170 and a 150 for baseball. The first thought everybody has is, wow, how can the Pirates spend all that? Uh, a, where would they get the money? Well, they'd get the money from expanded revenue sharing. Again, just like every other sport. What would they spend it on? Who would they spend it on? That would be a pretty big challenge. And that's the reason that any time a cap system has been introduced, and I'm really glad you're asking this question, by the way. Any time a cap system has been introduced, there's a grandfathering period. Nobody has to rock it up from 50 to 150. Uh, that's not happened. It didn't happen in the most recent such introduction in the NHL. You do want the teams to get there out of fairness to the players and to the uh, new labor agreement that gets signed, no doubt against the players' will. But there's a grandfathering period. And there's also a way that teams that are spending way over the cap have a period in which it takes them a while to come down so that they don't have to just chop their rosters to pieces and upend the players' lives and and other stuff. Uh, this That aspect of it actually has varied from league to league, and the NHL was kind of rough on their highest paid players when they imposed their cap in 2004. I'm not sure how much of a precedent that would be. Actually, we're having this conversation. I'm not sure how much of this is ever even going to be considered remotely possible when everybody involved in baseball is terrified to even mention the term salary cap. But if it were to happen, and to answer your question as best as I can, the Pirates would not have to go around the locker room and just hand money out to their young players. And I see what you're saying now when you say they're young guys and go, you don't have to go pay Brian Hayes $30 million a year right off the bat just to try to get to the salary floor. What you could do for example, though, and this is this is fun. We could do this all day. Ben Charrington can say, all right, I've got a third baseman, a catcher. I kind of trust my shortstop again. I've got a couple options at second base. I could really use a first baseman. Uh, I like my left fielder again. I've got a prospect I trust in center field. So I could really use, let's see, I'm going to keep Polanco just so I can make it to the salary floor, right? So I could really use like a first baseman and a whole truckload of starting pitching. And you know what? Just like that, he's at 150. Because that's what starting pitching costs. It wouldn't be hard. But you would not have to go around and give it to your young guys. Let's put it that way. All you would see is that the Pirates would be able to, uh, not just able to, required to step on the gas and make the team competitive almost instantly. And to use the NHL parallel one last time, those of you who remember that when the Penguins emerged from the salary cap in 2004 and 2005, and they had a baby-faced Sidney Crosby, and they had uh, a, you know, a fair amount of talent around him, 
But then they were able to just go and start piling up free agents. And it was only five years later that young Sid and everybody else were lifting the Stanley Cup in Detroit. Thanks for the question, Oren. Seriously, that was fun. I didn't mean to get on you there for the way I read it. Just trying to keep things clear, you know? Thanks to everybody for listening all week long. If you liked what you heard, hey, do us a favor and hit the five stars thing when you get that option on your podcasting platform and leave a nice review. That stuff makes a difference. I know you might not think it does, but it it weighs into how the podcast is ranked and how many people uh, are exposed to it and get to hear it along with you. I appreciate that. We'll, We'll do this again Monday. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.